Hello everyone and welcome to a somber edition of Splash Play. Obviously a very exciting week four in the NFL, but a tough week across America and a tough week for us here at Splash Play. So you can see across from me, an empty chair because that is where our pal Peter Overzet once lied before he had a terrible, terrible death in our ride or die picks for the week. Every pick of his died. It's completely tragic, but let us never forget the contributions from Peter Overzet on this show, so make sure you hit that like button and subscribe, and I'll do my best to get a little witchcraft in the air in the hopes that we can get Peter back in here after his embarrassing, very shameful death amidst our ride or die picks. So, moment of silence, and then we'll go to the intro. Wow, it's a magical moment here in Splash Play. We can revive the dead. We can do all the fantasy football things. I mean, it is amazing what we can do with this little YouTube channel and podcast of ours. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by a man who apparently not as dead as his betters, his tailors, anybody who's supported him over the years might think he is. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? You know what? Uh, I'm thankful to be back from the dead. You know, when we started that segment, Ride or Die, I always envisioned I'd be doing more writing than dying. But boy, did I fail spectacularly today. You sent me a text saying I got zero right. I couldn't believe it, but I also couldn't face having to go in and look at the spreadsheet myself. So I DM'd Willis, our accountant, and I said, is it true what Spag said? And he said, oh, it is very true. You got zero right. And I, I still legitimately don't know how I could possibly get zero right. I picked some spread picks, like over-unders. I, I went O for everything. How does that happen? How does it happen? We'll tell you how it happened a bit later on in the show. Of course, coming up today, we do have the waiver wire snake draft. We'll have the time code in the description as well. So if you are coming for this video just for the waiver wire snake draft, you can skip ahead if you want to hurt us and hurt Pete's recently deceased body, uh, then that's what you can do as well. But you know what? Uh, It's a big week here, Peter. We gave away our first giveaway, and now there's no reason for these people out there to like and subscribe and do all the things that you have to do, five stars and review an Apple podcast. But Pete, I think they should just do it out of the kindness of their heart especially after this tragic death that you just had. Well, hang on real quick. Have you heard from Gina? Because I haven't heard from Gina. I have not heard from Gina. So I guess the giveaway could still be on. I still in my possession is the infamous Artie Weinmeister three by five signed card. I think we give her what a few more days and then we got to spin the wheel again. Yeah, we will go, I guess, until the Thursday show. And if we don't have uh, Gina's submission to, I guess, claim her prize, of course, how could you not want to claim this product that could be in the Smithsonian with the Arnie Weinmeister index card? Uh, but we'll give her till Thursday. And if not, we'll do a drawing on our Thursday show, which actually, Pete, we have our first guest coming up on Splash Play on Thursday, too, which I'll let you roll out the red carpet for since you are also, in addition to your many other talents, our guest booker now. Yeah, we uh, we finally decided to bring someone into the fold. Uh, it is Ian Harditz, of course, from Pro Football Focus. He is the man behind the chopper plays, and he will be joining us, gracing us with his presence to do uh, some segments with us, including our ride or die this week. And I think what I was doing, Chris, is I didn't want to intimidate a guest to have them come on and know that we're such crushers with this game format. <laughs> And so I decided I'll take a dive. Ian will know it's a low pressure situation. And that's part of what we do at Splash Play. We make our guests feel welcome. 
Also, actually, something, Pete, I didn't even tell you about. We got, uh, I got our test shirts in, our little Whoa. merch things. Yeah, I'm wearing our little, the little logo is the one that I got. Um, but we do have some, we have a store going up. And I don't know if we should put it out publicly because I feel like an asshole trying to sell people products when we've done literally four, four weeks of shows. <laughs> but what? I like the shirts. They're comfortable. I feel good about it. Nice. Yeah. You had sent me over some of the demos. If I get, I really want to get that white hoodie, the white hoodie with the logo looked very cool. So, um, yeah, maybe how about this? If, if you are interested in some of these, just message us and it'll help us gauge interest. Maybe leave a, a note in the comments and then, then we can go from there as, as opposed to making assumptions based on what you guys want. Yeah, we simply don't know where your guys' shirt needs are currently, but uh, we'll do the best we can to provide them. We do have a, a Teespring store set up, and I'll yeah, leave a comment if you want the shirts, and maybe we'll unveil it on Thursday, all the fun products uh, that I had a little too much fun making behind the scenes. Me and Trey working together, the graphic design duo that everybody wanted. Uh, that's what uh, we had this uh, going on there, but I'm happy with the shirt, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and of course, make sure you are liking this video and subscribing on YouTube, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you too as well our podcast downloads popping off and uh we give us five stars and a review on there it helps us out a bunch it's just me and pete doing the show every week with some help from fictional people and real people like willis uh, but that's how it goes with us just a little mom and pop operation fantasy football podcast so give us all of your reviews and support because we need it now more than ever but it's a big week for pete and we got to get into it right away uh this is just honestly getting a little bit weird for the fourth straight week we've only been doing a show for a month as i mentioned and you know normally it takes a while to build up the base to build up that kind of reach especially in DFS and fantasy football where people have been you know watching their shows listening to their content for so long but Pete for the fourth straight week millionaire maker winner amidst us one of our viewers uh this week it was Royal Pain 21 winning the millionaire maker yeah I mean I'm just so proud of this guy he has been you know messaging us he's been in our comments saying how much he values kind of the analysis we bring to the table and, you know, I've recently had some success playing DFS and to see our listeners also be able to do that just week after week. I mean, this is, I don't want to be callous about it, but this is incredible marketing for our show to know that if you listen and you take what we say to heart, other than my ride or die picks, you too can win a million dollars. And I think that's just a great story. And it's more about the process with Pete's picks and my picks than anything, too. Like, we break down how we think about the game, how we think about the game within the game, within the game, within the game. And that's what I think Royal Pain 21 picked up with his lineup, where I'll read it off real fast, because as, as always, the Millionaire Maker lineup, a great way to see a little time capsule of week four in the NFL, or any week, really. Uh, Dak Prescott going off. We're going to talk more about him, but 500 yards, four touchdowns, and another loss for the Cowboys in hilarious fashion. Pete, what did you make of that game before? we go through the rest of the lineup yeah i mean the cowboys have solidified themselves as the funnest offense in fantasy in dfs just because their defense is so atrocious they're playing fast and Dak has all these exciting weapons you know last week it was gallup who got in on the action this week it was amari and cd lamb zeke is obviously always a presence and dalton schultz who I believe I drafted in one of our waiver wire shows. Mm -hmm. He looks like he's just filling in right where Blake Jarwin left off. So this is going to be a bad team. If you're a Cowboys fan, I think you're going to be frustrated with maybe their overall win loss record. But from a fantasy perspective, this is, this is gold. Is Schultz healthy? Cause I know he got hurt at some point, but I didn't see, I didn't pay enough attention to see if he was in there afterwards, but he's good to go. I, Cause I, otherwise I would think Blake Bell would be a guy I'd want on waivers, but I'm checking Twitter now to see if there was any injury updates, but I, I think he closed the game, right? 
Yeah, I did. Uh, I knew he left for a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he finished because he was back in there on that fourth quarter drive. Uh, hmm. So unless That's it was right. at the very end, I think I think he's good. Okay, so yeah, Dalton Schultz should be okay, but keep an eye on that one because with this offense, you know, we've seen the Cedric Wilsons of the world go off, and Blake Bell, if he's getting some you know some time out there after Dalton Schultz, if he is hurt in a, in a more meaningful way than we know. Uh, could change the equation a bit. The rest of this millionaire maker winning lineup, Joe Mixon went off in a big way. Three touchdowns for him, his biggest game of the year so far. Ronald Jones, another Pete favorite in many best ball drafts, finally having the week that a lot of people have been waiting for from him. Uh, he went off amidst uh, an entire Bucks offense having a great day. Odell Beckham goes in a big way. Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, part of that Dak stack. Of course, always stack your quarterback with two guys. That is the, uh, the tournament approach for you. And if you can, run it back with a receiver, a running back, or tight end, as uh, as we did see Royal Payne do, of course, because he's one of our Splash Play listeners. Uh, tight end, we have Darren Waller. Uh, then we have Mike Davis getting his 22 fantasy points. Another nice day for him, filling in for Christian McCaffrey. And the defense didn't even matter for Royal Payne, because that's how confident he was in his lineup, the Bucks getting just six fantasy points for him. Anything jump out to you with this lineup, Pete? It seems to me another one, kind of like we talked about, you know, with your lineup, which was important to talk about, was that you had a great success just doing a normal stack, a very popular stack, but just changing a few things up there, changing your run back. And Royal Payne here just seems to me like a pretty standard lineup that got the million dollars. Yeah, I think Rojo was interesting because of his price point. And mm-hmm. we've now seen this a co- uh, multiple weeks where these lower price running backs are really helping people access ceilings at wide receiver and in these game stacks. It's like, if you want to get in the pricey game stacks, you've got to sacrifice somewhere and punting at running back where these guys still have access to a ceiling, but people don't want to play him because, Hey, it's Ronald Jones. He's not catching passes. He's getting benched for Fournette, yada, yada. So I think that's an interesting trend to pay attention to in the same way we want to chase volatility at wide receiver. Who are the guys who could, who could pop off the Will Fullers. I think we need to think about that at running back too. And sometimes it's not going to work. I played Darrell Henderson this mm. week, who is also, I think, a similar play to Rojo in his projected workload and situation, and that flopped. So you can get burned, but playing these guys allows you to get them under-owned and access a ceiling that other people don't have. And sometimes, too, it's as simple as, like, you probably should have played Ronald Jones more because Leonard Fournette was out, and that was really the thing that's been squeezing him. We did see Keyshawn Vaughn get a receiving touchdown, get a little more work, but I did not take quite as much work as Fournette takes, and that sometimes can be the difference, where if Ronald Jones is getting himself, you know, 20 touches, and you're a pretty secure 20 touches and a game script that favored him as well, uh, you know, he got those numbers without really getting a lot of scoring work. Tom Brady threw his five touchdowns to everybody else out there. Um, you know, still some some room there for for these running backs. Where if you gave, if you lose the the co committee guy, the uh, the former handcuff, I forget what they're supposed to be called now. The uh, the co star, the backup, whatever the word is. That are we not <laughs> allowed to say handcuff anymore? No, that was one of the ones that got banned by all the fantasy people. Handcuff. Uh, you're not supposed to say fantasy owner. You have to say fantasy manager. Like those are all. Yeah. So like, I conceptually understand the owner thing. Like, I, yeah. I get that because the connotations are kind of similar. But why can't we say handcuff? Um, because of police connotations and then the systematic systemic racism of the country. So that's, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, nobody wants to be reminded of a handcuff. I think it should be like understudy is what we should call them. Yeah. But see, to me, it's like, 
owner has a very specific connotation. I love that. I'm getting into this, but like uh, there's phrases like this, like golden handcuffs is a phrase for different situations. Like no one hears that and immediately assumes the worst. I don't know. I'm going to keep saying handcuff. I'm going to draw my line somewhere. And I'm going to say understudy because I care. I don't want to have any, <laughs> Pete, if we have to start putting trigger warnings on this podcast edition, we're already flouting the, uh, the expletives on every single show. So yeah, no, uh, understudy, get your understudy running backs in your rosters. How about this? If you're if someone leave in the comments, let me know. Is Peter allowed to say handcuff? Yes or no. If the majority says I'm not allowed to, I'll throw it away forever. But if the people our people say I can say handcuff. I get to keep saying it. That's fair. No, I think you gotta gotta own your community, and maybe we'll we'll have some all right following now for your steadfast. Did you say community. own your community? No, that's the one we're not saying. <laughs> that's. I mean, you have to be a, a responsible. You have to be an understudy to your community. <laughs> uh, who knows? But it's it's one of those weeks already. Some of the overarching themes for this week, though, Pete. I feel like we got to talk about. There's so many points scored, and it's weird because. Like, I I feel like every week now you have to play the Cowboys game because even teams that are having these monster days are not having monster days like the Cowboys. Like Lamar Jackson, I know he was a guy you were very bullish on. Uh, You said you thought that the Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown stack was going to be good. I actually, that for me was backed up by my Monte Carlos Sims that I ran. I was like, oh, wow, Lamar is really under owned for the potential, as is uh, this entire Raven stack. And then it turns out they just like uh, put an RG3 because they're up three touchdowns. They didn't really need to do a whole lot to put Washington away, as you might expect. And I guess how does this change your approach or does it change your approach, Pete, where we clearly have like an upper division of, of games and teams that are going to always have these high totals. And then we have some groups underneath them that are good from what we know of fantasy in the past few years. But like, how can you compete with a team that's going to be in a game where there's 80 points scored like the Cowboys and the Browns? Yeah. And, you know, part of this is like, well, Vegas was right, right. And that they had so many games projected for high over unders and then teams like the Ravens who had a big team total, they get there. You see it flop a few times. The Rams didn't get there to their team total, but from a GPP perspective, this is super fun in that it gives you all of these different avenues that you can go. And I actually think too, from a tournament perspective that it, that game stacking is even more important not in the millimaker necessarily where our listeners continue to crush, but in smaller fields, because all you have to do is be right on that one thing. Like if you had the DAC stack with an Odell bring back, you were winning tournaments. Like uh, we won a tournament. We had Adam Troutman take a zero at tight end, but it doesn't matter if you nail the right game stack. So I think that's the thing. It's like, okay, let's chase these games that have shootout potential. Hopefully maybe not the chalkiest one. And then just try to be right on the game itself as opposed to having to get every single thing right. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, you know, time to think about it. I also would say, you know, now that we've had a month of these Cowboys games, uh, that first game that they don't hit their over-under is going to be disastrous for the entire field because I think people are going to be chasing this every week moving forward. Actually, curious to see the Cowboys schedule. Let's let's pull that up real fast because to me, like we've talked about the Falcons being bad. We've talked about some of these other teams. Like next week, they play the Giants. You know, Daniel Jones looks like he's regressing this year under this new offense uh, with Joe Judge as the head coach. And um, I, I don't know if the Giants can live up to their half, but I know I will play some Daniel Jones and some Dak next week because like, what if he does what Baker does? What if he does what Jarvis Landry does? Yeah. And that is the thing I was, um, I guess I was on the wrong side of it this week with that philosophy and that I did roll out another Russell Wilson uh, double stack because I'm like, if this offense is as good as we think it is, these guys are still slightly underpriced. 
Uh, and, you know, it didn't get there this week. It was kind of a little bit of a gross game. Carson uh, had some some work that he stole from those guys. Lockett was oddly quiet. But I do agree with you. Like, I, in previous years, one of my mistakes was not adapting to these new trends. And I think as long as ownership isn't getting out of control and their prices are still at a discount, like, yeah, we should be chasing these new trends. And people are slow to react, especially if they don't have the name brand value. Like Dalton Schultz is an example of someone that people are still hesitant about, but he's like a locked and loaded tight end one. Like he's probably a tight end five on the rest of the season with how good this offense is. So yeah, we have to be quick to, to react. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to start, you know, mixing in more Cowboys if you have them in there and and not trying to get too cute and avoiding these games because you know, we've talked about it earlier in the year. The Cowboys are playing incredibly fast. It has not stopped so far. They're snapping the ball at under 20 seconds per play. That is a very high number. That's about five seconds higher or five seconds lower rather than it was last year. Um, So that's definitely a meaningful change for these guys where, you know, if you're playing the Cowboys, you're going to see more play volume. You're going to see more opportunity and you're seeing it too. Like the Cowboys are a perfect storm because that defense sucks. The offense is so good and can work fast in addition to snapping fast. So like to me, I think they're like the ideal game environment all year as long as things don't change. And it doesn't seem like there's any reason why they would change because they're putting up points. You just have to get a stop every now and then. (laughs) Yeah, that has been the kind of the tale of this season uh, are the injuries, which I think we're going to talk about here now. And and then these these high scoring games, which uh, I hate that we have to have those two in conjunction, uh, but uh, these injuries have been brutal. It seems like every week now we got Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler. The Eckler one in particular sounds like it's going to be pretty serious. It just it sucks to lose these studs who are such exciting players. Yeah, let's talk about these injuries, and you mentioned Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb, two of the big ones here, uh, but Eckler seems like the one we're more sure about where he's going to be. Um, he's going to be out at least a few weeks with a hamstring injury. I know when he got hurt in that game, I saw them, he basically wasn't able to put weight on the leg, and I was like, ooh, that could be an ACL or something. It didn't look great, but a hamstring, you know, I think we expected these soft tissue injuries. We talked about that a lot uh, earlier in the Splash Play episodes, and um, that's been the case for a lot of these. You know, there have been some ACL injuries, but the hamstring ones were the ones that we expected. And this could also just be Austin Eckler. He's been a guy who's been hurt in the past. Uh, but there is a very obvious understudy for him and Josh Kelly, a guy who has been picked up a lot in a lot of leagues because he was getting some of that Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, left behind workload. And Josh Kelly, to me, if he's not taken in your league, it looks like he's about 57% rostered in ESPN leagues. I would pick up Josh Kelly immediately. I think he's the top guy, but he won't fit our our waiver wire draft criteria. I know. I saw you put in bold that I wasn't allowed to take Joshua Kelly. (laughs) You took him already. You were ahead of the curve. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, I saw uh, Hayden Winks over at Roto World posted uh, the Chargers' upcoming schedule with an eye on Joshua Kelly. They're at New Orleans, who's been gutted with injuries. Home versus the Jets, at Miami. Home versus the Jags. Home versus the Raiders. So, juicy, juicy stretch coming up here for Joshua Kelly. And uh, yeah, he, um, like a lot of these guys stepping into opportunity, uh, seem like they could be, I don't want to say a league winner if, if Eckler is able to return, but man, uh, this is a, an important stretch here through the buys and Joshua Kelly seems primed to, to carry teams through it. Kelly's looked very good so far, you know, a bigger back as well. So should be a little more able to stand up to the, the wear and tear of the position. If he is going to be a bell cow, I guess we could also see maybe Jackson get some work behind him, but um, is there, is there anybody else who you even consider taking a flyer on besides Kelly or it seems to me like it's Kelly's backfield job to lose and, and he's probably not going to lose it. 
Yeah, no, I think Justin Jackson is interesting. We just, I think we always from fantasy need to think about who's the next man up because just because Joshua Kelly's now the starter, I mean, he could get injured, you know, right away too. So uh, I'm always looking at the next man up and Justin Jackson has been that guy before they drafted Joshua Kelly behind Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler as well and has stepped in at times. And I'll be curious to see kind of the split because both Kelly and Jackson have been guys that like do a little bit of both of pass catching and rushing. So I'll, I'll be curious to see, do they make Kelly a full bell cow or is it more like a 60, 40 split kind of thing? So I think there's enough uncertainty there that Jackson needs to be an ad as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Jackson, as Pete mentioned, we saw him get some bell cow work at the end of last season, looked good. They were willing to give him a lot of touches, but it does seem like Kelly's going to get the first crack here. And, you know, maybe in DFS, if Kelly ends up being a very popular play, though, his salary will be adjusted, I'm sure, for the next Chargers game. Uh, then maybe you go to Joshua Jackson, because we know that's a pl- an approach that works with chalky running backs, including this week with Alvin Kamara. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Nick Chubb, the other big injury, hurt his ankle uh, getting rolled up on by a defensive player. Didn't look that bad, but it was enough to knock him out of the game pretty early. He wasn't even questionable. They were just like, yeah, he's out pretty fast after that. Um, Kareem Hunt got the work. Dearness Graham behind him. Or excuse me, Dearness Johnson. I think there was a Dearness Graham, but I, I might have imagined that person. Might just be a created player in Madden at some point that I've come across. But Dearness Johnson picked up some work behind him. Uh, any concern for you with Chubb? I feel like this injury doesn't seem to me like it should be that serious, but um, and it doesn't seem like the reports out yet are saying he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, so I don't know that I would rush to get any, you know, any of these guys in there, especially Dearness Johnson. If you get Kareem Hunt, that's great. I think that's a fine play, even if Chubb is healthy. But how do you feel about this backfield with Chubb being banged up and maybe he can miss some time? Yeah. I mean, last I heard it said he was going to undergo an MRI. It's something with his knee. They don't know the severity oh, it's of his it. Knee? Oh, okay. I, I saw ankle early and I just, I guess I just didn't see anything else. I, I honestly thought I saw ankle early too, but I was just pulling up the the most recent news and they're saying knee. So maybe yeah, it was a little, right. little bit of both, but man, first of all, I mean, Kareem Hunt, like you mentioned is rostered everywhere already, but he looks so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, again, I'm not a, I'm more of a numbers guy when it comes to, to fantasy stuff. But when I, you know, put on my hard hat and watch the tape, Kareem Hunt just pops off the page. So as long as Chubb is out, I mean, Kareem Hunt is, I don't know, a top five running back option uh, as the bell cow there. And yeah, I need to look closer into the snaps for the rest of the Browns guys and see if there is a next man up there, like you mentioned with the Ernest Johnson. Uh, but for now, I think it's just all systems go for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt getting that pass game work anyway with Chubb out there. Uh, definitely going to be add a lot of value in a variety of ways to that offense. And Cleveland's offense, maybe a get well game, maybe just playing the Cowboys. But uh, that's definitely a spot that you know, if they can do this every week or some approximation of every week, uh, you could see a lot of production from Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb is going to be out. Any other injuries that occurred this week that jump out to you? I'm looking through the articles to see if there's anybody who we missed. Yeah, I was uh, I was scrolling through stuff. I mean, Cole Beasley injured his foot at the end of the game. Uh, but as far as really uh, fantasy relevant guys, I think Chubb and Eckler were the big ones. So it was just that they happened within what, like five minutes on red zone. Oh, OJ Howard's like, a kind of big one. Oh, you're right. You're right. What uh, what was his thing? He again? tore his Achilles. He's probably out for the year now. Yeah, that one, that one stings. He seemed like he was starting to get unlocked a little bit with Tom Brady. Uh, now you have Gronk kind of emerging. And then of course, Cameron Bray, who would have been a great uh, troll play of the week for <laughs> us. He gets the, uh, the touchdown. So yeah, that's unfortunate for OJ Howard. Just a, one of those classic, incredibly talented guys that the stars just can never fully align for him. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a downer. He had that nice long catch from Tom Brady. And uh, I was with you on playing a good amount of Gronk. Uh, Gronk was one of Pete's ride or die picks that met an untimely end. And uh, the most trolling thing possible, Cameron Brait catching a touchdown, OJ Howard catching a touchdown. Three other guys also caught a touchdown for the Bucks, and no Rob Gronkowski. That is unbelievably upsetting. Yeah, especially that was such a weird game for Brady and that he throws the pick six, but then, you know, he's getting Mike Evans involved. He's getting Scotty Miller involved. You know, Ronald Jones had a good day. Keyshawn Vaughn catches a touchdown pass. So just a kind of roller coaster game there where everyone gets involved except the tight end who had emerged as the top guy last week. So that's uh, that's fantasy for you. That is fantasy for you. And speaking of fantasy for you, uh, that it's time for us to take some victory laps here. Uh, and one particular victory lap, I want to make sure that we give Pete full credit for. So I'm actually going to play a clip here uh, to give you guys a read on the genius that we have encountered with our Peter Overzet on last week's show. Amidst all the dying that he did, one great take, which I'm going to put on the screen right now. You can see it here. And let's hit the audio Goody. too. Uh, we've now seen Alvin Kamara. He's just like the lock of all locks, right? I mean, in in both DFS season long, his workload is insane. He's averaging like 10 catches a game. Uh, he's getting goal line work. And yet it just feels like Latavius Murray emerging from underneath the bridge as the ultimate troll Right when everyone's finally back on board with Alvin Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray goes for two touchdowns against Detroit. The troll game is coming, and I believe it's going to be this week. So there you go. That is Pete absolutely nailing what happened today. Latavius Murray outscores Alvin Kamara in a week where Alvin Kamara was roughly 40 to 50% owned, depending upon which tournament there was. So Pete, you had to take some losses early on, uh, but here is one where you can take the proudest victory lap possible. I wish I had roses I could pass through the screen for you with a perfect sound bite size take that absolutely perfectly distilled what happened with Latavius Murray and with Alvin Kamara. So I get every pick wrong that matters, but then I'm the Undertaker gif through the coffin on my troll play of the week, which I didn't even use. I didn't have Latavius Murray in any leagues. I didn't play him in DFS, but I knew that it was coming. So a very uh, empty calorie uh, win for me, but I guess I'll take it because I clearly need a win after my ride or die performance. No, I think that was, uh, there are some things that happen in DFS, which you just have to go, yeah, of course it's DFS. Like that's the exact thing that happened. And Kamara to his credit, still got 20 fantasy points, saw a perfectly fine day, didn't kill your lineups. You could have won money with him. You definitely could have min cashed or more with him. He wasn't that, he wasn't a bad play, but Latavius Murray took enough off the table from Kamara being that outlier play that he's been the last few weeks. And uh, that's just what happens. And you know, that's, that's how it goes. Every slate, a showdown slate. If you think this guy's going to be very highly owned and you're playing you know your max 20 entry or especially a max 150 just get the other running back in there get you know Daryl Henderson Pete mentioned earlier uh, stunk today for the Rams but Malcolm Brown was the one who won the tournaments because he just got a little more work out of the backfield even though I think they had roughly the same amount of touches Brown got slightly better results and uh, this is just what happens every time and I feel bad like for people like sometimes I go on the reddit the r slash dfs or df sports reddit I feel like is what it is and um, there are people on there who are starting to play dfs now and it's like well, you have no fucking clue what you're getting into, man, because, and they're like tilting over stuff like this. And it's like, this is every year, every week, every slate, every game, it just happens. And it's always going to happen. That's just the way they, this whole thing has to go. Yeah, it is the thing as someone who has been on a, a, a such a gross word, a DFS journey 
uh, over these past four or five years, like the amount of things that I didn't know uh, back then that I've now learned. And, and you know it too, from playing a bunch of different sports uh, over a long period of time, there's so many little things that you have to learn. And then you're balancing the numbers and also your own intuition from having all of that experience. So DFS is a super fun game. I guess my, just from my personal experience would be get as many reps as you can max enter the quarter arcade, you know, try mess with an optimizer, try building hand building lineups for the three max, just get reps because you got to get a feel for stuff. Yeah. And we've said this before last week, you know, a median projection is the middle outcome. That's what you're expecting to happen based off of a longer term sample size. And it still can be much higher. It can be much lower. And uh, that's why, you know, that's why I started doing the Monte Carlo Sim stuff to have a better read on the range of outcomes that can occur. And you know, sometimes it could just be an eyeball test. You know, you're just looking at the projection and going like, oh, this could be much worse because this guy's, this team's defense is really good or this team's cornerback is really good. But ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And and that's why, you know, sometimes I had my one Latavius Murray lineup. Actually, Pete, you want to guess who killed my one Latavius Murray lineup? It's it's a guy who was also fairly owned and I think it was also one of your ride or die picks. <laughs> oh, um, Devontae Parker? Brandon Cooks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With yeah. the stone zero, I think he was running behind Kenny Stills by the end of the game, uh, from what I could tell just from the eyeball test. So, yeah, Brandon Cooks, I would say. I guess, well, let's let's segue into the take the L point of the show. We had the victory laps, uh, and it's this time where we have to ask, which takes are we willing to take an L for? And, Pete, I feel like you have to take a Brandon Cooks L. I, I do, too, because I played him. I didn't tout him as much. But, um, man, how, what is going on with this guy? <laughs> I have to take a lot of L's. Um, but yeah, Brandon Cook was a big one. You know, his volume and all of his peripheral stats were really good. He was getting the targets down the field. I think we've just seen now enough with how this offense is operating where Fuller, Stills, Cobb, Cooks, like one of them is probably going to go off most weeks, but the volume just isn't consistent enough to really bank on who that's going to be. And I think Cooks was tough this week because if he was what? He was 4,500. If he's six or 700 cheaper at 5,200, like he's just an okay play. You know, he's not that chalky, but because he was so cheap, he baited us all into it. And I played him as some one-offs in lineups too. And and that just killed. So yeah, it's a weird offense. Something, I don't know. What do you think? Something just feels off about the Texans offense right now. It feels to me like they don't have that one guy, like the equivalent of like a basketball player who has a 30% usage rate who you know is going to get a shot. Like they don't have that guy because Hopkins, you know, for whatever failings he may have, like he would make very tight contested window catches and they don't have that dude. Like Fuller is an amazing player when he gets open. If he's not open, you don't want to throw it to him. He's not going to fight for those balls. He's not going to bang and kind of do those tight window things that Hopkins did. So I think that's what it is. It's like they, if those guys aren't there, if those plays, if those openings aren't there, then you're basically going to see a Deshaun Watson run. You're going to see a Deshaun Watson sack or, you know, or it'll make something amazing happen. But, you know, that to me is what this offense is. They just don't have that one, like you could bank on this dude guy. So if they play a crappy team, they'll probably put up some points, uh, which the Vikings have been defensively so far. If they play a good team, I think you avoid the Texans desperately because they just can't get open. When the other thing I just realized too, is I remembered seeing a report before the game. I don't know if you saw this. It was Bill O'Brien was going to take over more of the play calling duties. And I think, at this point, Bill O'Brien's, you know, uh, question-making ability or sorry, decision-making ability has to be brought into question because he traded away DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts and he continues to make suboptimal decisions, both from a GM and a coaching perspective. I see their usage of David Johnson, 16 carries for 63 yards. He's not getting anything going right now. And I, 
I think there are talented players in this offense, but I, I don't, I have zero faith in Bill O'Brien at this point. I think too, it's, I think a lot of these teams, and I think it's something with fantasy, you know, we don't look at it because you can't look at it too much because it's really mostly noise and it's not something you predict, but you know, offensive line play, I think this year in particular, you're really seeing it for teams like the Eagles who we have on right now, recording the show during the third quarter. So we're watching the game as it goes, uh, you know, like these teams, you see the effect on Carson Wentz where I think he's an appreciably worse quarterback because their offensive line keeps getting worse. The guys who they have, who have been good, like Lane Johnson, keep getting hurt. So like, I think that's a part of it where the Texans have such a bad offensive line. And when they succeed, it's almost in spite of that. And it's because of Watson being great and, you know, keeping plays alive. But he's still taking like a 9% sack rate. Like he's getting hit a lot. And I think I think line play is just one of those things that gets overlooked, which seems like it shouldn't be because it's not like the coaches care about the analytics we're looking at for fantasy. Yeah, no, they uh, they definitely do not. And I've, I've heard, you know, Adam Levitan talks about that a lot, which I think is a good point in that, a lot of times our job isn't to play players or make decisions based on what we think is optimal. It's what we think coaches are going to do. And that's where the game theory comes into play. It's like, of course, us fantasy gamers think Duke Johnson should probably get more touches because he's an electric guy that they invested in. But Bill O'Brien is not going to do that. So we can't keep jamming in Duke Johnson as this low owned GPP play. Like we have to try to predict what the coaches are going to do. No, I think that's a, a very astute point. And yeah, Adam Levitan, a very sharp guy over at Establish the Run. And yeah, I, I would say, you know, that's sort of a, a lot of what I view it as too. And and also offensive coordinators, when you have a new coordinator, when they come in, you know, a lot of times they're going to do what they done, they done in other stops because that's just how it goes. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski, we're kind of seeing it. This The Browns offense opened up a little bit, but he's still running roughly what he ran in Minnesota last year. Like, you know, that's sort of something to keep in mind moving forward. And um, especially, you know, in the changing of the seasons, it's something to really note because, uh, yeah, teams that, that have an offensive philosophy or coaches have an offensive philosophy, not changing it a lot because uh, a stubborn front of folks, I feel like the, the NFL coaching types are, as we've seen with their uh, steadfast refusal to wear masks during games. I feel like that's <laughs> it's proof of the concept. Uh, Pete, I'm going to take an L on this, uh, taking the under in the Browns Cowboys game. Uh, in hindsight, you know, a 54 point or whatever, 56 point over under seems high, but I would not be shocked to see the Cowboys get into that much vaunted 60 point range. I believe the highest in the last whatever period of time from when I looked at the stat on Thursday's show with the numbers don't lie. Uh, the highest in the most recent uh, couple of years was that Chiefs Rams game that Pete and I hold uh, as many fantasy people do in a, a very high esteem. That one was 63.5 over under, I believe. The Cowboys have to be getting close to that when they play a good team, like maybe not the Giants, the Giants not putting up a ton of points. But one of these weeks, like they're going to have a 60 point over under. Honestly, would it shock you if it got to 65 at some point if they keep doing this every week? Honestly, no. Yeah, I guess we would have to go back and look at their schedule. Do they play the the Chiefs at all this year? I don't I would assume not because they were not the top of their division. So I don't think they would get there. Let's see their whole schedule. Next couple of weeks they have, as I mentioned, they have the Giants, then they have the Cardinals, they have the Washington football team, the Eagles, Steelers, Vikings, uh football team again, Raven. Oh boy, Ravens. <laughs> Ravens. Lamar is going to put up a fifty burger on them, and that should just be the over under. <laughs> yeah. That um that one could be hot. Although the Ravens scare me a little bit just because their defense is so good and they like running the ball so much that I feel like those games can get the air taken out of them a little bit. But yeah, if if the Cowboys can hang and push the pace, that thing could could definitely shoot over. If they're lucky. No, no great offenses really besides the Ravens. You have the Bengals, you have the Niners, Eagles, and the Giants to close it out. So 
Um, you know, maybe if, if Dwayne Haskins puts up 400 yards, I feel like the Cowboys just need to be like, yeah, we're, we're done for the year. Let's just take a breather. <laughs> Let's go to Cancun. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Hey, I mean, we, everyone says, uh, let Russ cook, but, uh, you don't even have to ask Dak is going to cook no matter what. <laughs> that is sure. Dak is going to have to cook. And speaking of it, it's that time of the week where we do a little stat shaming, of course, where we ask the question did these players get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? And this week, uh, well, let's do Dak first because it is a big question to ask here. Can he throw for 500 yards a game? Will he have to, uh, we don't know, but he did have to this week through for 502 yards, four touchdowns with one pick on 40 for 58, uh, passing attempts. Woof. That one that was a real bad brain fart there. But, uh, this game, Pete, I, I think to me, I won't shame him for this. I think this could be in the range of what Dak has to do every week. I'm not going to be willing to pay 8k. I'm not going to pay Lamar Jackson prices in NFL DFS. I'll feel great if I have him in season long or best ball leagues. But besides that, um, I, I think this is very viable, so I'm not going to shame Dak at all. I will shame the Cowboys as an organization and a team for making this a thing that has to occur. Besides that, though, I think this is very viable for Dak because this Cowboys team playing fast, amazing weapons, and that defense is just so bad that they have to score. Yeah, I honestly can't stat shame Dak Prescott. He has just a very healthy stat image in my mind, and I think it is bold, and I think it's beautiful, and I think it sets a good example for all the young quarterbacks out there of what you can grow up and look like. You don't have to just be a hyper-efficient you know, Teddy Bridgewater. You can grow up and look like and put up stats like Dak Prescott. I will not be shaming him for this performance. Some would say Dak Prescott, the Lizzo of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's is that a bad one am I gonna get in trouble or hopefully you get in more trouble I'm from the, the one handcuffs. that said handcuffs so you're probably in the clear <laughs> that's true uh, everybody let me know in the comments <laughs> you tell tell me if Pete's wrong or tell us if Pete's wrong about the handcuff thing and tell me if I'm wrong about calling Dak Prescott the Lizzo of fantasy football uh, another guy in this game who we might need to stat shame a little bit Dearness Johnson 13 carries for 95 yards after Nick Chubb's injury you know, great yardage there, but again, playing the Cowboys, still going to have Kareem Hunt ahead of him. I do think he'll get some work. I think he's viable. You know, if there's a Cleveland Browns showdown game coming up, put him in there at a cheap price. I think that's a reasonable play. But to me, I think Dearness Johnson, I think you are looking a little too bloated with the workload that you got this week. I feel like maybe it's a bad photo. Maybe it's a bad visual. I don't know. But I will say Dearness Johnson, I think you're going to return uh, to some some weaker times moving forward. So uh, Dearness Johnson gets, I would say, the largest stat shaming for me this week. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not shaming Dearness, you know, based on his stats. It's just that I know he can do better. It, you know, I just know that he has so much more potential and I don't want him to really let himself go in this kind of way. Whereas Dontrell Hilliard also in the mix, getting five carries for 19 yards. I think if Nick Chubb is out for a while, they're going to find other guys to kind of plug in this committee behind Chubb and, or sorry, behind Hunt. And it sounds like Chubb should be all right. We'll see what that MRI says. So I have, I have no choice Mr. Handcuff guy myself to shame Dearness Johnson. I enjoy anybody whose name in football starts with a D apostrophe. Like DeBrickashaw Ferguson, uh, uh, I'm trying to think Dearness. There's, there's one more D I'm forgetting right now. But I feel like any of them, anytime it happens, I'm like, I'm in on this guy. I like what he's got. Yeah, and it always makes me think of the uh, like Ernest Goes to Jail movies. You know, Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> Dearness Goes to the Top of the Depth Chart, uh, the newest installment. 
Ernest Johnson also kind of sounds like one of those Key and Peele names in the, in the college oh, yeah. football introduction thing. Yeah. Uh, but Ernest uh, in the mix, so we'll see what he does. A guy that I am going to stat shame a little bit. I just feel like maybe a little too much for him this week. Maybe a little too many turns at the old touch buffet. But Joe Mixon, 25 carries, 151 yards, two rushing touchdowns, six catches for 30 yards and a receiving TD. I like Joe Mixon. I think he should get that kind of workload every week. Um, he's one of those guys, too, who I, I feel like always hard to recover from his viral moment of, of punching a girl in a video when he was in college. Uh, but he is in the pros. He's playing every week. And I feel like people have that weird bias against him because, like, you know, he doesn't seem like a great dude based off that one interaction that we know of him. But he's an amazing running back when he gets the ball. I think that much is for sure, but I do think this is still a Joe Burrow offense. This is still going to be going through the pass game, and there are going to be weeks, too, where Mixon just gets you eight, like you know, 18, 20 touches, something like that, and just doesn't have the big monster results. But going against Jacksonville, I think you expect that. So I think Mixon for this week looking a little husky to me in terms of his touches and workload, but I think back to next week, he'll be you know pretty much same old Joe Mixon. But how do you feel, Pete? Would you want to stat shame Joe Mixon for this line? Yeah, I I do. I I Joe Mixon wasn't a guy that I was drafting in season long. I did have him on uh, our best team today in DFS, and I do think he's that guy you have to thread the needle on because in a lot of ways he's like the running back version of Russell Wilson. The whole let Russ cook movement. Like when Joe Mixon gets twenty plus touches, he balls out. Like he's a really talented dude. But for some reason, the Bengals just never want to feature him fully. And you'll get these rare perfect storms where they're against a bad opponent, they get up with a good game script he's just rolling and he pops off and definitely play him in dfs those weeks he's going to be under owned but i think this is um i haven't been convinced that the Bengals are going to let Mixon cook and i think the second they get into negative game scripts we're going to see more uh geo bernard again and uh this is not reflective of what the rest of his season is going to look like yeah, I don't think you draft Joe Burrow to have him hand off to Mixon as much as happens today. You know, and, and I think, you know, if they win with this, then that's great. Maybe they'll give him a little more work. But I think if you got your Joe Mixon week this week, you know, feel great this week. But next week, don't be surprised when he you know, comes down to something a little more normal. He's a top 10 running back, I would say, in terms of fantasy, but not a guy I'd expect to be, you know, number one with a bullet, you know, really in a, a meaningful way uh, every week. Like, I don't think he's in the mix for that, but. Uh, that's just my take on it. Uh, guys, remember, of course, hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on there. We appreciate all of you guys, even if you are a passerby, coming here for the waiver wire videos. Also, Pete, did you see that we passed 1K on that last Sunday video? So people listened, and they gave me some pity uh, some pity views uh, to get us to 1K and solve my OCD. There you go. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. you guys. Uh, how about this? Um, Chris, Chris's OCD will flare up if this doesn't get 10,000 views. I guess you really got to help us out. <laughs> yeah, please. Otherwise, I'll just be in shambles rocking myself back and forth <laughs> on the couch. So make sure to watch. Tell 10,000 friends to also watch. Of course, the, you're the best fantasy football podcast, I think, in the whole universe. And I'm unbiased, despite having bought a shirt with our logo on it and all the other things that you know that would come with hosting this show. But the Waiver Wire Snake Draft, a feature here that people have come to know and love, and we have to do it. Of course, the stipulations here. We pick the guys available on waivers before any show out there does their waiver show. So we are the first and the most accurate. Uh, wink. <laughs> uh, for everything else, of course, the one standard that we have, uh, the guys have to be under 40% owned according to ESPN.com. So that is the one metric we have here. And uh, Pete, I you know I always like to let you go first, but I feel like this week you might need it extra because of the, the ride or die debacle that we'll discuss in a moment. I appreciate it. I need all the help I can get. The guy I'm going to take first is we talked about him for a little bit earlier. I am going to take Justin Jackson here. There aren't a ton of, you know, obvious injury situations opening up and 
you know, Justin Jackson here, he had neither him or Kelly did good on the ground today against the Bucks. Jackson, six carries for nine yards. Kelly, nine carries for seven yards, which was to be expected in that the Bucks have had a very stout run defense. But this kind of just goes back to what I was saying about there being a little bit of uncertainty on what the backload or workload split is going to be in the backfield. And on top of that, Joshua Kelly's now fumbled in back-to-back weeks too. I believe one of them was recovered. Um, but I think that's a little bit of concern and Justin Jackson is that veteran. So I think there's a chance he slides into the Josh Kelly role, which has been valuable for fantasy. So I'm going to take Justin Jackson first overall. All right, Justin Jackson, a good pick for all the reasons Pete mentioned, and we talked about him earlier. If you are skipping ahead, so make sure to go back and check out what we talked about with Justin Jackson earlier. Uh, for me, my first pickup is going to be a guy who we watched on Thursday have a monster day. It's the outside receiver for Denver, and I think as a vessel of that offense, he's going to have more opportunity, especially, I think, if Brett Ripien or whatever. What name? I forget. What's the right way to say his name again? We, we figured it out, and now it's gone from my head completely. Is it just Ripien? It's Ripien, I think. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Ripien and Ripien. That's how I'll try to remember it. Uh, he was slinging it in that game. I think Tim Patrick is going to have some decent days moving forward. Even if he doesn't, I think he's worth taking the flyer on. Been a good deep ball guy for, you know, for a while in this Broncos offense. And I think if he's going to be running that many routes and with a guy like Rippin who can actually, you know, be in there, stand in the pocket, take the hits and still get the ball downfield. I think he's going to have some better days or, you know, at least as good days as he had on Thursday. So I would take that flyer on him. And I think another guy, since it is a snake draft, I get the back to back here. I'm going to also take, I'm going to take the Ernest Johnson on this because I don't love him for the reasons we talked about the stat shaming, but I do think the fact that it's now one Kareem Hunt injury away from him having a really meaningful role in an offense that maybe figured some stuff out. We don't really know. Again, the Cowboys are not the best litmus test, but uh, Johnson looked pretty explosive out there for what he did get. And, uh, you know, we this backfield has shown they're willing to ride the hot hand. They're willing to give two guys meaningful looks. So I think the Ernest Johnson could be valuable, probably for the same reasons that Justin Jackson might be. Yeah, I I like it. And it's the same thing of why I kind of picked Rex Burkhead last week too, where it's like, yeah, is it likely to continue? No, but one, there's not a ton of great options. And two, he's already shown us something on the field. So let's just take some cracks. If we're wrong, we just toss them back and, uh, and move along. But I'm, I'm always willing to be too early than too late because in fantasy, if you're too late, uh, then you aren't going to win. I am going to go with a guy I'm going to probably be early on, but I think could have big late season upside. And that's the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn for the Bucks. So with Leonard Fournette out this week and, you know, Ronald Jones got the majority of the workload, but Keyshawn Vaughn came in there at the very end of the game. He had two catches for 22 yards, including that touchdown. And the whole dynamic in this backfield so far has been Arians kind of wanting to use an early down grinder and then a pass catching back. And LaShawn McCoy had been the guy getting a lot of those pass catching snaps. He seems like he's getting phased out a little bit. He only had two touches today. And if they like what they saw from the rookie, I mean, they invested a third round pick in him. So they clearly want to use this guy. To me, he's this really nice blend of upside and a decent floor in that he'll catch passes. And if he gets in Brady's good graces, like he could theoretically pass McCoy, Jones and Fournette by the end of the season. So I'm really intrigued by Vaughn, even if you have to be a little patient. 
I think that's fair. I would say, though, McCoy did get hurt today, so that could be part of why Vaughn saw the uptick in work. So you know, maybe it's not so much, you know, kind of like we talked about with, I forget who it was, we were talking about somebody who was hurt. Oh, it was uh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss was hurt last week, and then I think, you know, I think was not ready for the role they were giving him. I think it could be the case where they don't feel fully comfortable with Vaughn, but I agree, all it takes is Brady taking a shine to him and needing that one more target with O.J. Howard out of the mix. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a logical one. Pete, you got the pick here on the turn, so take one more. Yeah, I'm going to do one more of another guy that continues to flash, and he. we just have to hope that they start clearing the runway for him a little bit more, and that's tight end Mo Alley-Cox on the Colts. Uh, people, again, always forget that he is a former basketball player, and he just continues pr- to produce in his small sample size opportunities. And Doyle's back, Burton's back, so this is like a very crowded Thing, but I also just want to bet on talent and he looks really explosive. He continues to make plays. He only had that one reception today, but it was for a touchdown. So hopefully his package continues to expand. That is not, uh, is, is like it sounds. <laughs> I hope his package continues to expand too. I feel like you want, you want the more expanded Cox package. That is, I, yeah. And I mean, I feel like I have talked about because we've made Cox jokes before on here, but uh, I'm, I'm adding him to the squad. He's still only 21% rostered in, in ESPN leagues. And he's probably a guy, if you're in a 12 team league, you might already have a, an okay tight end, but I think he's a guy to get you through the bye weeks and also just has more upside than a lot of uh, tight ends that are out there. I think Trey Burton, they were really trying to get him going. I don't know if it's like a Frank Reich. Uh, like I still hold a candle for him because of the Philly days that they shared or whatever. But, um, you know, definitely some room production. If, you know, if they go away from Jack Doyle, which seems to be something that they were doing today, uh, more targets for both Ali Cox and for Trey Burton. And there were for Jack Doyle and maybe Doyle becoming a little more of a blocking tight end in that offense. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm going to take a tight end too. I'm going to take Cameron Brait just because we do know the Bucks love that two tight end set. Uh, Rob, Gronk- Rob Gronkowski still very overowned in all of his uh, all of his ESPN leagues. It looks like he's about 70%. Um, so, you know, to me, Cameron Brait not owned at all. Uh, more of a Jameis Winston safety blanket historically, but we did see him get a lot of work last year under Arians. And I think we just know that that's what Tom Brady likes to run, those two tight end sets. So I think Brait's going to have some opportunity and um, can be useful in this backfield. Pete, you got any thoughts on Brait? or this tight end situation for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind taking taking cracks at it. Brait has kind of a proven track record. He seems like a guy that uh Tom Brady will like to find in the end zone. I think he'll um he'll probably be volatile, but all tight ends are uh similar to Mo Ali Cox. You're probably not going to know when you're going to get the explosion game, but I think he has potential for those two touchdown games. And the last guy that I'm going to take, I just want to make sure that he's not owned more than I would have thought. Justin Herbert, I think you know, <sighs> that was good. That was one. I don't even know if I had another pick, but that would have been my next pick. You do have one more. So, but unfortunately, I'm glad I scooped you on it. Then Justin Herbert to me is the guy. Um, I think you could tell watching him. He just looks like the guy out there. Uh, there was a quote. Actually, oh man, I got to pull this up because there was a really good quote from Bruce Arians about him. But basically, he just compared Herbert to uh, to Patrick Mahomes with the one throw that he made where he avoided the blitz, uh, bought a little time 
and got it downfield for a score. And like, I, that's what I think I see with him. Not Mahomes. Like that's a very lofty thing, but just a guy who plays the way that you want to see guys play now, which is, you know, the Josh Allen ethos, the Mahomes ethos, the get it deep downfield. If you can buy some time, don't make stupid throws, throw it to where only your guy can get it. And Herbert for a rookie, I feel like has amazing awareness. I did not expect this coming for him uh, coming out of his Oregon stint. I just thought he was a, a mobile guy who was a little bit of a Jake locker, as we've talked about on here before. Uh, but it does seem to me like Herbert's really good. He's finding guys like Jalen Guyton, who have not been involved in the offense. Uh, who was the other dude, Johnson, who caught a touchdown. Like, he was hitting dudes who I didn't even know were on the roster. Might not even been available in DFS today. He's making them look like stars out there. So Justin Herbert, to me, looks very legit. Yeah, on those deep bombs, I mean, just an absolute cannon of an arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy can throw it so far. So, yeah, I like the Herbert call. Obviously, I'm happy I had had a league where I had Carson Wentz as my quarterback, and I added him last week being like, hey, I cannot trust Carson Wentz going forward and feel pretty good about Herbert. And his schedule is really nice coming up. So they do have – oh, I had already moved on to my pick, so now I don't have his schedule up. But their schedule is nice. We listed it off for Joshua Kelly earlier. So uh, definitely like all of those charters, and and Herbert's going to be a big piece of that. So for my pick – I am going to take a guy who is coming off of a big game and it might be a little short lived with Michael Thomas coming back, but Traquan Smith today had the two TDs, four receptions, 54 yards. He's been kind of a guy that, you know, fit the fantasy community and DFS has always been wanting to be a thing and just like never quite gets there. My thing with this is the Michael Thomas injury, you know, that those high ankle sprains are nasty and and we just don't know. And and now seeing Traquan Smith flash when they desperately need playmakers, you know, Jared cooks out, Adam Troutman does nothing. Emmanuel Sanders just doesn't seem to fully have it this year. So I think there's a role for Smith, even if Michael Thomas is back soon. And I think he's just a guy we want to peek at in this saints passing offense. I think it's a little tough to expect Smith to keep it going because Sanders, I think Sanders is going to be a better number two guy when Michael Thomas is back out there. And he's shown some flashes. I think he's figuring it out a little bit with Breeze, but um, I agree. Like if Michael Thomas does keep being hurt, we thought he was going to get back in this week and he wasn't. So I think it's worth taking a flyer on Traquan Smith. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially if you get him for cheap and you're not wasting a a top waiver spot or a ton of uh, your FAAB money. Um, Hopefully that's not something racist. (laughs) No, you no. It, it, but you aren't. That was one of the terms I remember. Oh, because it's auction, agent. right? Because, yeah, because yeah. it's salary cap league. So it shouldn't be FAB. It should be like FASCB. <laughs> I think they did just get rid of the auction and they're just calling it um, FAB. But I don't know exactly what it stands for. It's something. Yeah, Free whatever. agent we'll adding bros. Yeah, <laughs> Free agent bros. That's it. FAB. <laughs> Fab is now stand for free agent bros. Get your free agent bros this week. Uh, let's do, I don't know if we have to do this one before we do our ride or die picks for Monday night. And this is actually going to be an interesting choice because we can either keep our ones. Maybe well, let's think of a fun wrinkle for this. Cause I think maybe we'll do a double bonus. Maybe if we keep our original pick for the, the Pat's chiefs game, um, maybe that's one way that Pete can climb back in, uh, but we'll do ride or die picks in a second, but uh, let's do tell me you hurt you real fast. Cause I'm curious, you know, Pete, I don't know if you, it seems like you didn't have as amazing of a week as you had the last few, other than that one lineup you did with the, the line movement guys, but, um, where, who hurt you the most this week out of all the players that you played across your lineups? Yeah, there is a guy that jumps out for me. I wasn't quite as heavy on, uh, Brandon cooks, but I was super heavy on DJ Moore, and he 
again, similar to Brandon Cooks, like all the peripherals lined up with his air yards and his volume. Nice matchup against the Cardinals. And boom, four for 49. Robbie Anderson, like it pains me to say this. Robbie Anderson looks like the number one Mm-hmm. in this offense right now based on his usage based on his production i'm legitimately concerned about dj Moore, and uh that bums me out because i think he's really talented and whatever combination of bringing in robbie going to teddy bridgewater the alchemy there just isn't quite right and he's going to still have boom weeks but i thought he was going to be that kind of locked in consistent alpha wide receiver and that's just not been the case yeah, I mean, I've always been bullish on Robbie dating uh, Splash Play Bob, of course. Our mascot here, Splash Play. Uh, coincidentally, we're doing great. Robbie Anderson doing great. So that's maybe that's how it goes. So if DJ Moore does better, perhaps we do worse. I don't know. Point being, though, DJ Moore, I just feel like he's not like he does. He's too similar to Robbie Anderson. But I think Robbie Anderson's a little faster. And I think that's sort of what the difference is, is that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't come in with the bias of, you know, DJ Moore being the go-to guy for years. So he's just going to choose his go-to guy. And it does seem like you're saying, I think Robbie Anderson is going to be Bridgewater's go-to guy. Also, did you, I tweeted this out, but like, did you see that one run that Bridgewater had where he juked like five guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he legitimately looked like Lamar Jackson uh, out there. Yeah, that was, that was sweet. And I think Teddy kind of gets a bad rap for not being like as athletic as some of these other rushing quarterbacks, but man, he, his agility there uh, was, was pretty sweet. He's running the ball. Well, and I, I was like, Oh, every running back became Barry Sanders. And then I watched one play like Phillip rivers tried to run against the bears. today, and He like had a ton of open lane and then ran like two feet and got tackled because he's incredibly slow. So not every quarterback is fast. That's one thing uh, to keep in mind here. Um, this guy didn't hurt me specifically, but I feel like I need to bring him up just for the greater fantasy community. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I think needs to be dead to everybody right now. I think needs to, he hurt a lot of people out there again. He was very highly owned again at a nice price. This Cardinals offense. I think we, a lot of people expected better things from looked better to start the year, kind of uh, middling out a little bit, surprising the, the poor results they got against the Panthers. But to me, if you're Kenyon Drake and you have 13 touches and you're getting 2.7 yards per carry against the Carolina defense, we talked about on here, there is nothing uh, to offer resistance wise by Carolina and, and teams have beaten up on them. Maybe they'll level out a little bit more as the season goes on. But um, Kenyon Drake, I think I, I wouldn't cut him if I had him in season long. Like I wouldn't do that. But if you're playing him in DFS, I think you got to take some very low amounts of him because I, he's not good. And Chase Edmond looks better. And really anybody touching the ball looks better than he does. Yeah, no, it, it it's bad too. And I think, I think people had a little bit of rose colored glasses on with him because of how well he finished the season last year. But I think, What was interesting is that when David Johnson was out last year, you know, Chase Edmonds came right in and Mm -hmm. smashed too. And to me, it was kind of those things of Kenyon Drake is an exciting talent. You know, he was really good at the combine, very athletic, but he struggled to, you know, produce in Miami, obviously there with, with, uh, uh, Gase. And he also kind of struggled to be a full workhorse in Al- at Alabama. So he's never like quite profiled as that alpha bell cow. And I think it's kind of shining through now a little bit. And Chase Edmonds looks really good in the past game. So I think Kenyon Drake now, like you said, in season long, you just kind of have to plug your nose and play him in good matchups. But for DFS, like we got to wait until his ownership plummets and it's in a great spot to play him. Yeah, the fact that he's not getting the pass game work, I feel like hurts him quite a bit. So now he's basically Mark Ingram, but in an offense where Kyler Murray can suck up the touchdowns, where Hopkins can suck up the touchdowns, Larry Fitzgerald could still take away some red zone looks like there's too many ways to go. I think now Jordan Thomas had the touchdowns today in the red zone, like. 
I just don't think Drake is a necessary part of what they're doing on offense right now. And, um, and I don't think he's going to be maybe this loss, you know, maybe I think this is their second straight loss now. Uh, maybe that gives them a little bit of like, Hey, we need to change something here. And maybe that is going to Drake. So if you're going to play him, I think you'll play him some next week and then see how that goes again. You know, it sucks to do that, to walk into the buzzsaw after he's killed you for a few straight. But, um, you know, I just don't, I just don't see how he gets more here with all the mouths they have to feed in this offense. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, let's close it out here with the ride or die picks for Monday night. But first, our recap of the ride or die plays from last week. We, <laughs> I think we're good. No, I think, I think we got to run the room real fast here, to, so people know where you know what we got right, what we got wrong. And Pete, here's the thing, I, you know, because I graded your picks, and then Wilson double uh, Wilson uh, Willis, <laughs> sorry Willis uh, Wilson, the the neighbor from Home Improvement, double checked. <laughs> <laughs> for us over the fence. Um, I was actually looking at one of your picks, which involved Russell Wilson. I think that must have been it. Uh, anyway, there's still uh, some minor victories for you amidst the defeats, including Jarvis Landry, 4X DK salary. He didn't get there, but hell of a pass by him. So, I'll, you know, you got to feel good about how many, that. How many fantasy points did he end up with? He had 16 something. 16. So I was just, I what did I need? 20.4, I yep. believe, for the 4X. Okay. That's the thing about some, and I nailed Mark Andrews. I just didn't get the Marquise Brown. See, I got, I created this system to get really creative. And now instead of just taking some easier layups like Mark Andrews over 20 points, I decided to to get crazy and uh, it bit me. It bit yeah. me hard. I mean, here's the thing is that it doesn't really reward you. The game as we have it right now doesn't reward you for taking like Andrews and Marquise Brown because you got the same amount of points for picking two guys. Like basically you played a parlay for the same payout as like a one, like a one leg. Yeah. And that's just because I like to spice it up. I like <laughs> to live on the edge because variants will come back. And one of these weeks, I'm going to have a 25 point week. And you'll be the one that we will be holding a eulogy for at the top of the show. <laughs> I'll rue that day. Uh, in that game, the Browns-Cowboys game, Pete got that wrong. I got wrong. The under 56. So nobody got anything there. Colts-Bears, Jonathan Taylor, a top five DK running back did not happen. But Allen Robinson did get over 20 DK points. So that's a three-pointer for me. LaVisca Chenault being the highest scoring Jaguars player. That did not work out. DJ Chark back doing all the DJ Chark things. Actually, I'll give you a chance to rebut that, Pete, because... Uh, we talked about on the Thursday show that I think if LaVisca were getting DJ Chark's role, he would basically be doing what Chark did. But now that Chark's back, he put it down hard and looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, I will say uh, LaVisca Chanel at the end of the first half that he had 60 yards on a drive and just got stuffed right at the red zone on another little screen pass. And it was actually encouraging that they were using him further down the field. I actually think, you know, him and Chark are really nice compliments to each other because Chark is still the alpha in that offense and is going to be used further down the field. But if they use LaVisca in those shorter intermediary, the crossers, let him get the yards after the catch stuff. I think they're going to be a really good uh, duo. And it's just good for that offense to have both back. I think it makes both of them better. Visca is not ready yet to be an alpha number one that can handle double coverage. Yeah, and I think, too, makes that stack a little more appealing, too, where, you know, you have Chark, you have Visca, uh, both guys definitely going to be tied to Gardner Minshew's success, so uh, something to keep in mind with the Jags moving forward. In that game, I thought James Robinson would get over 20 DK points. He did not, got close, but not quite there. Uh, Saints-Lions, Pete had under 54. That was a loss. I had Kenny Galladay over 20 DK points. He pulled another 16-pointer as well. Didn't quite get there, so nothing for me. Seahawks-Dolphins, Devontae Parker in the winning Millionaire Maker lineup did not happen, though he did have a good day. Uh, Tyler Lockett in the Millionaire Maker winning lineup very much did not happen today so um any thoughts on that game pete with the past games uh i mean they were good you're honestly parker was a really great play he just wasn't you made too bold of a call again 
That's what I do. That's what I do. Yeah, no, that was, I didn't actually get to see a ton of that game. I was kind of focused on some other games after it became clear that Russell Wilson wasn't going to throw six touchdown passes to DK Metcalf and Lockett. Lockett's disappearance was weird, but Metcalf again had a few, a few grown ass man plays like mm-hmm. he continues to do. Yeah, and David Moore also, if one of these yeah. guys isn't going off, it's probably going to be David uh, David Moore sucking up a lot of that production. On the Chargers-Bucks game, Rob Gronkowski did not 5X's DK salary. Keenan Allen did not get over 20 DK points, so both of us were wrong there. Uh, for Pete, Andrews and Brown did not combine for over 40 DK points, but the Ravens did get minus 13, so I picked up a one-pointer there. DJ Moore, the second highest scoring player in the game, did not occur for Pete. Robbie Anderson handily outscored DJ Moore, so that was a three-pointer for me. Brandon Cook's 4X DK salary did not happen. In fact, he put up zero, as we talked about. Very upsetting. And the over 54 in that game, that was actually a push. It was 54 flat, so I don't get a point on that one. And that's very freaking tilting. <laughs> the Texans had a chance to to pull ahead there with either a field goal or a touchdown, and they did not. Uh, Darius Slayton, over 20 DK points did not happen. Jared Goff, not a top five DK QB as the Rams kind of middled their way to victory there. Gabriel Davis, no 4X for Pete. Uh, and Devin Singletary, highest scoring non-QB did not happen, barely, thanks to Stefan Diggs. And in this Eagles-Niners game, uh, we're going on right now. Pete has 49ers minus seven. That has not occurred yet. So technically, Pete, you still could get one point today. I was just going to say, everyone's dancing on my grave. (laughs) Little do I know, all I need is George Kittle to score again, and I'll be in business. So actually, Carson Wentz in the showdown winning lineup is definitely going to happen. So that's going to be three more points for me. I'll also say Gabriel Davis, uh, I thought was going to have a great day. He had their first touchdown, a 26-yard pass. I was like, all right, here we go, here we go. But uh, that was it after that. Josh Allen, that socialist, spreading the ball around too much. <laughs> That's, yeah, John Brown uh, had an amazing touchdown catch too there, and it just uh, none of these guys getting enough work besides Diggs, it seems. No, they... But- they overturned that. Oh, that's right. John I forgot. Brown. Yeah, you're right. It right. was I... total bullshit, like an yeah. obvious touchdown. Uh, uh, yeah, that was that was one that was very tilting for you. I don't know why. I guess I just moved on and was like, no, that, w- that was right. That was. <laughs> but, it should have yeah. been. <laughs> it should have been. Uh, here's actually. OK, so the ride or die picks for Monday. Um, and here's what I'm going to offer to you, Pete. If you want to change your pick, the pick that you would put in initially was you wanted to parlay the Chiefs minus seven and over 54. I'll give you six points for it. I'll give you a double if you stay where you are. Or you could try to change it to something else, and you could even change it to something that's a ten pointer if you want. But um, you know, if you want, I'll, I feel like this is fair. Like if we're we have new information, if you take the new information and just go, I'll stand pat. I think it's yeah. fair to give you double the points with this COVID move. This is actually a very enticing thing, and actually interesting because that line was assuming Cam was going to play. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually looking at the updated line, and I'm surprised that it only dropped one point. That there, oh, yeah. Kansas City still minus seven, and it's now down to fifty-three. So the fact that Vegas doesn't think Cam is worth any points to the line—am I reading that right? That seems crazy. I mean, maybe it would take more of a move later, but yeah, you know, the, the sharp bets probably coming in fast to try to correct the line. And um, I didn't see the line get pulled at all either. So I it must not have gotten a crazy amount of action either way. Um, so yeah, I guess Brian Hoyer, they think is roughly the equivalent of Cam. Yeah, that's wild. So I, if, if the line had moved a ton and now it was like Kansas City minus 10, New England, you know, team total or whatever over under 50, maybe I'm like, okay, I can't do this. But because Vegas is telling me I shouldn't be that concerned, I'm going to take, you're offered to double down on my parlay. 
Okay, cool. So there you go. Six pointer for Pete. And I'm going to keep my initial bet too of Hill and Kelsey combining for over 40 DK points. I think, you know, maybe there is a little more running here now without Cam uh, for the Chiefs. Maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets some more work, but I just don't think that secondary has looked good so far. Uh, so that'll be a six pointer for me. The Falcons Packers game, uh, I actually didn't op- update this over under from this morning. So hopefully it's still the same. But Atlanta getting 25 implied points. Their line has come down about 0.3 over the course of the week. Uh, and then on the Green Bay side, they're getting 30. 1.5 implied points, so a six and a half point favorite at home in a game with a 56 and a half point over under uh, that has come down a point and a half over the course of the week, but still one of the highest numbers in all of week four. So, Pete, in this game, who would be your ride or die pick or play? So, it does seem like Devontae Adams is going to be back. He is a game time decision, but it sounds like he's trending in the right direction. That said, I'm going to try to get three points and say Marquez Valdez Scantling over 20 fantasy points. Ooh, okay. I, I'm telling you, the over 20 fantasy points thing is the move. It didn't work out perfectly for me, but that's the one I'm going to be doing the most moving forward. Yeah, it's it's realistic, um, but still but still tough. It requ- Especially for a guy like Valdez Scantling, who's probably going to only have three to four catches. Right. He's going to need to do big damage with those, but he has that big playability. Hopefully, Devontae Adams back, drawing more coverage, letting uh, Valdez Scantling run loose, and this will be the first game where we've seen these guys together without Lazard kind of commanding that number two role. So I'm excited to see what he does there. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. And uh, and I think overall, too, just to talk about the 20 DK points thing real fast, I think what I felt good about is like the guys who didn't get there still had good days. So I feel like we're giving actual helpful advice with that with those plays. So that's why that's why if you hear more 20 DK points picks for me, um, it's the best margin I have. I'm getting the game theory, Pete. I'm figuring this one out. I'm going to be <laughs> I'm gonna be lapping you by week eight. And I would say for people, the way to think about, it, you know, when people say, uh, yeah, this guy in the GPP, like that's what we're, we're, we're pointing to the guys that have the ceilings that again, it might only hit at like a 20% hit rate or in my case this week, a 0% hit rate. Um, but we're, we're trying to hit home runs here. Also, Travis Fulgham just caught a touchdown for the Eagles. And there is nothing that upsets me more in football this year than John uh, Hightower being out there as often as he is uh, for the Eagles. He runs one of the highest snap counts, highest routes per game in the league. They just never throw to him. They, you know why, Pete? Because I watched him get amazing catches from Brett Rippon um, in that highlight reel from <laughs> the Boise State game against Air Force. And I was like, John Hightower is amazing. Carson Wentz just never freaking throws to the guy. He just And then, yeah, Travis Fulgham gets a touch. I'm just so tilted over John Hightower. It's well, upsetting. I was looking at projections for this showdown slate, and I believe there were only four Eagles pass catchers projected for more than zero points and yeah. Fulgham was certainly not one of them I, I just pulled up he wasn't on the, he's uh, not in the game like he's not in the DFS uh, oh lineup. he isn't yeah. even in the pool okay no. all right then that makes so much sense because I was like pulling up first place and I'm like he's not even rostered here but uh apparently he wasn't even able to be rostered. no it's they've really honestly kind of been slacking on those because there was one guy in the Jets game on Thursday actually I think maybe two like Lawrence Cager wasn't on the Jets roster either for DK and he was a guy who actually got a big end zone target. I think had two or three targets in that game. Uh, Jeff Smith did make it in. He had the big day. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. They I don't know. I feel like DK's getting a little lazy on the actual like putting the games together part because they're making so much money and now they're a publicly traded company and all this stuff. But um, lots of dudes who were actually active and getting targets and running routes who just aren't on the showdown lineups lately. I, I don't get. Yeah, um, we we need those guys that are projected <laughs> for 1.2 points because that's how we can get unique and those guys can in football. Old guy projected, like you said, the median at 1.2. It's like, well, one touchdown pass, what, seven X's his mm-hmm. projection. So, like, we need those guys in the pool. 
especially he would have been like 200 bucks too. So he would have been a direct pivot to Debo Samuel. Like there were, there would have been yeah. a l- actual logic to play him, which is why I got John Hightower, but that's neither here nor there. Um, for this game, I'm going to, I feel like I've comfortably won the week. So I'm just going to play this part easy and I'm just going to take the over in the game. I think both teams don't defend very well. It's a high over under with 56 and a half points, but Atlanta is in that class of teams that I think just stinks. Uh, Green Bay plays a little slow. Uh, actually their pace right now running one of the slowest numbers in the league at 30.9 seconds per snap, uh, but they score so efficiently right now. They're a very hyper-efficient offense in the run game and the pass game, and Atlanta's defense stinks so bad uh, that I think that this game hits the over. Yeah, I right. like it. I think uh, the Falcons the Falcons are kind of the that other team along with the Cowboys, who I think is just going to let every team have their way with them fantasy-wise, so I do not mind the over there at all. Yeah, though it is weird that Julio and Calvin Ridley are both questionable going into tomorrow, but um gotta assume one of them plays at least yeah i i was reading those injury reports this morning uh i think ridley is gonna be okay he actually had two different injuries throughout the week um but they say he's gonna be all right and julio is another one of those kind of stubborn guys where i feel like he might not be 100 percent, but he'll play um and then the question is how much do you trust him you know, in your, in your season long lineups and in your showdown slates, I actually saw DraftKings is doing a, a little two game. slate. I was, I was going to talk about that. I forgot, but like, that's like Christmas. Like, I'm like, Oh cool. I get yeah. another chance to lose a couple hundred bucks potentially. <laughs> but, I know I was, uh, you know, as the showdown thought leader, I've been enjoying the showdowns, but man, I'll, I'll mess around with a little two game slate tomorrow. They even have a, it's a, it's a millionaire contest. Yeah. It's yeah. A millionaire maker, I think $10 entry on DK yeah. for that one. So, um, yeah, that was what the afternoon slate ended up being today too. Not the millionaire part, but it was like, uh, basically a two game uh, afternoon slate because of the, the Colts game getting moved, the Pats game uh, getting moved to tomorrow. And then they just didn't move the Colts game to the late slate. So it was just two gamers and which are fun. You know, there's not a lot of edge on there uh, because you're playing a lot of the guys. And today the edge was not playing Daryl Henderson. So for the two gamer tomorrow, you know, if there's a chalky running back who has a very obvious pivot point to him, I'm trying to think of who that would even be uh, maybe Gurley to Brian Hill or something like that. But um, you know, maybe that's the move for, for that two game slate because that was what paid off today. Yeah, that one will be, uh, you'll have to worry about duplicates in in mm. that Millie Maker contest on a two-game slate. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. All right, so that's it for us this week, guys. Hit that like button, subscribe. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. Tell a friend, tell everybody you know to listen to this podcast because we're grinding it out. We're doing a good job getting where we need to go, but we're only going to get bigger by you guys helping us out there, giving us a little word of mouth. And, uh, you know, that's what we're here for is to try to grow and reach as many people as possible and and give them access to Pete's wisdom, uh, which, you know, I we made you look good today, Pete, even though <laughs> even though the ride or die picks did not. That, that Latavius Murray call, that's that's the one people are going to remember. Yeah, that is what they will remember. And it's not like we have a scoreboard to point to. Uh, it'll be easily swept under the rug, I'm sure. <laughs> of course, we'll never mention the failures again as the Eagles score a defensive touchdown. This game is getting uh, the games always tend to get loose as we're recording, it seems, during <laughs> during these Thursday night football and Sunday night football slates. But that's the fun of it all. Uh, Pete, anything you want to plug or hit on before we call it quits? Besides, of course, Thursday, Ian Hart, it's on the show. Our first guest here on Splash Play. We're excited. We'll probably start doing a little more guest work. But uh, anything you want to plug? Now's your chance. I like, I like, I like the term guest work, like crowd work. Yeah. We're doing a little guest work now. Um, no. Yeah. Follow uh splash play on Twitter. We're on the Instagrams. You can smash the subscribe on YouTube. Where else are we? iTunes, your podcast app of choice. We appreciate it. Yeah. That's it. That's it for me, man. 
Yeah, hey, we're, we're happy to be here with you guys. Thank you for watching. Come back Thursday night after Thursday night football, and we'll see you guys again very soon. Thanks for listening and watching and whatever you do. Bye, guys.